some of this news will go quick, so um, right. I don't have a lot to say about the Netflix cancellations. <laughs> Just kind of like, hmm, I wonder what's really happening over there. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that knows better not to wear a red shirt when invited on the away team mission. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Pete. Hello. And this podcast wouldn't be anything without our sound guy, Ryan, who's giving me a thumbs up. Um, with that being said, Peter, uh, I you are going through an interesting stage in your life because you just bought a house. <laughs> yeah. So your life has been kind of turned upside down, but did you right. get a chance to watch anything? Um, I actually wanted to revisit The Haunting of Hill House a little bit. because. Um, so when I last talked about it on the Halloween episode, I had only seen two episodes so far, and uh, I was intrigued, but I just couldn't really tell where the series was going yet. So I watched more and more episodes, and I actually started getting really impressed with the series. Like, it got uh, really intricate how this, like, sort of haunted past of this family was intertwining with the family's uh, future drama they were dealing with. And there was actually a, a couple things they did that really impressed me. One is, I think it's episode six of the show, it takes place over uh, this one character's funeral. And the whole episode, or most of the episode, probably about the first 40 minutes or so, are done with only five shots. And I actually started paying attention because they would do these really long shots where all it was was the family in this funeral home and it would be swirling shots around people while they were taking while they were making conversations and stuff. And the only reason they would break a shot is because they were showing part of the story in present day and part of the story in the past. So every time they switched back and forth, the shot would break. But okay. that was it. And it actually, it was like a really impressive thing to me. Like there's oh, this part cool. where uh, it felt like a couple of characters were walking up the aisle in this funeral home and the camera was following them. But the way that where the camera was, it was like moving over rows of chairs. And I was watching it. I was like, they shouldn't be able to do that. So I don't know how they're doing that. And there's a lot of really impressive little tidbits like that thrown throughout the episode. It's, I think it's really funny. Like you bring that up every now and then I'll be watching something and I'll <laughs> notice the camera shot, like mm -hmm. some special trick. Yeah. And it takes me out of what I'm watching for the briefest moment. Cause I'm like, wow, that was cool. Yeah. And then I'm suddenly back into it. <laughs> yeah, so. for sure. Um, but yeah, that episode alone, I think it's five or six, um, is the episode number, but that episode alone is worth watching it. The other, one of the other things they did is, uh, there's this part in the show and I think it's episode seven or eight. I can't remember, but two characters are in an argument and while I don't want to spoil, this is total spoilers for people who want to watch the show. So if you don't want to know, just go ahead at 30 seconds. But during this argument, they throw a jump scare in there. And it is literally one of the best jump scares I think I've ever seen in anything. Because they did such a good job of bringing you into the argument as an audience member and kind of picking which side you wanted to be on. And you were either annoyed with one character or another and you're kind of like... I don't know if I literally was, but I felt that at least mentally I was, like, leaning forward to the TV the whole time, and then they <laughs> threw in a jump scare, and it was just so well done, so I thought that was really impressive. But uh, 
by the time they got to the last episode, I think, for the most part, they seemed to tie all the loose ends, but I felt like there was a lot of, uh, I think it just kind of ended on a much happier and a little bit more of a corny tone than I think I expected. No. Like By the end, a lot of the characters could easily see a lot of the ghosts, which didn't, I mean, it was kind of the case throughout the rest of the show, but it seemed kind of like too easy to interact with the ghosts by the end and stuff like that. So I no. still liked it and I think it's worth the watch. Like it's only nine or 10 episodes, like definitely check it out. But well, it's Netflix. So it was probably going to get a season two. Right. Right. So. And I don't know where they would ever go with a season two, but it'll be interesting to see, but like definitely check it out. It's definitely worth right. watching. I just, it kind of ended in a different way than I expected. So many things to watch, but I'll add it to yeah. my list. <laughs> but, and then I was talking to Ryan before the show, and he was talking about some kind of interesting concepts he was hoping that they were going to bring into the show that they kind of didn't. Like, there's a lot of weird things with uh, kind of time, I guess, where certain characters in the past would see glimpses. They would think they're seeing a ghost, but they're actually seeing glimpses of the future and stuff like that. And they kind of didn't explain that or really go anywhere with some of those ideas too. So we'll see, and maybe they'll round it out pretty well, but yeah. All right. All right. Well, um... Any other thoughts, Ryan? Or Okay, no. cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I watched Tag this week. Oh, nice. What do you um, think? You watched that, right? Yeah, I've, I've and seen You said it. that you liked it or didn't like I it? I liked or? it, yeah. Okay. Um, I couldn't remember what you said. For some reason, I felt like you said to wait till it was free, but I was like, whatever, I'll watch it anyway. <laughs> um, I really, really enjoyed that mm -hmm, movie, yeah. and I really wanted to play tag when the movie was over. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, they clearly were like, I have this really, like, it was interesting to me to find out that it was a true story, mm -hmm. but at the same time, these someone found out about the true story and said, this one makes such a cool movie, let's mm -hmm. go and do this. Yeah. So, um... I liked in the, uh, during the end credits of the movie, they show, like, the actual people who played tag their whole life, like, still playing tag, and that right. was really cool, because they're all, you know, in their, like, They're, like, all in their 50s yeah. and 60s, and they're still playing <laughs> the game. It was a really, like, just a good, good movie, so yeah. it was exact. it was, I watched it, it was exactly what I needed at the time that I watched it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I I really liked the uh, all the I guess I would call them slow motion or bullet time sequences where uh, Jeremy Renner's character is like this kung fu master at tag and like right. he's what well, the it's way like he's, he's got he's tag so, military training yeah, or something he's thinking so fast that those scenes the time is slowed down and he's narrating what's going through everybody else's head. There's what they're running. Did you see it? No, Ryan shaking his head. Mm -hmm. All right, no, it's it's definitely worth a watch. I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. Um. And other than that, I've just basically been keeping up with the standard shows, like all the shows I watch, which is way too many. But um, <laughs> one of the things I thought was interesting, um, and I know we were going to talk about it anyway, was um, uh, I want to talk about Riverdale for a second. Okay, sounds now, good. Now, <laughs> Riverdale. I'm, I'm about, so last season of Riverdale, I haven't watched like the last three episodes. Okay. So I don't want anything spoiled. No, I'm not going to spoil so I'm not going to spoil anything. I just know that like when the show started... I watch all the superhero CW shows, mm -hmm. okay? They're all produced by Greg Berlanti. And him and his crew are doing just amazing, amazing work with the superhero yeah. stuff on the CW. And then they decide, hey, we've been doing all this comic book stuff. Let's go do Archie Comics as a show, and we're going to make it dark, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And I watched the first episode just to take a look, because I was curious. I don't 
I my knowledge of Archie comics is like the four main characters and that's it. <laughs> yeah. So going into the show, I didn't really know it a lot. I just knew they darkened it up, and I loved it. It was amazing. Then, so I'm watching the show and I'm like, I just I, I want to watch more of these angsty teenagers getting into stuff that they're not supposed to be getting into. And then season two took a weird turn in my oh, opinion. Season two is crazy. It's, like it. Like ahead. I said, I haven't finished it, but. The first season I thought was pretty good. The first the season was... Here's the thing. So if you're listening at home and you want to check out Riverdale, that first season from beginning to end is such a solid, like, story so, arc. So, yeah. So, like, I liked the first season, but it it was, like, it was pretty good to me. But the second season I started to love because I could not predict the stuff that was going to happen <laughs> in each episode. Like, just crazy off-the-wall stuff where it's just, like... I never thought I'd see, like, these characters doing this, like, really crazy, really dark stuff. And it's just it's, kind of... It's it's awesome in that way that I have no idea what's going right. on. It's such a fun show. They're doing such a great job with it. But this current season, season three, is going into this, like... It's almost like the dark... It's like the only thing missing from the show is a talking dog. Because they should be... At this point, it's basically Scooby-Doo. Okay. It's getting really weird, dark bizarre stuff yeah but here's the thing netflix has the sabrina show that's airing that just yeah. released and here's what i and if you didn't know sabrina the teenage witch originated from archie comics a lot of people don't know that and then she became her own thing so the television series that was on back in the day late 90s early 2000 mm -hmm. with melissa joan hart was on its own it was just a fun comedy by itself it had nothing to do with archie comics well now we have the riverdale show based on archie comics and now we have the sabrina show on netflix which is predicated off of what it's like the visual language is the same mm -hmm. it's like that's what we want it to look like so the this new sabrina show looks really dark but the way season three of Riverdale is going is I'm just like, oh, I'm wondering <laughs> if this is like a launch pad for Sabrina. Like she's going to make an appearance oh, in an crazy. episode for like a cameo and then she'll be off on her own. I've heard vice versa that an well, Archie character is going to be on Sabrina. Apparently an Archie character has already appeared in the first episode of Sabrina. First episode? First episode. Okay, that's crazy. Now, it's not a big character, mm -hmm. but it's a character that's Ooh, that has okay. to do with something that's going on in season three of Archie. And I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> so I just thought it was really interesting. Um, yeah, that sounds awesome. The, the, the fact that I'm into this show, I find very strange, <laughs> but I look forward to it yeah. each week. <laughs> nice. So, that's um, pretty great. Um, I'm, that's it for me oh, for watching. One thing you, you did mention, like, uh, Scooby-Doo is a joke, and that's one thing. I'd love to see Greg Berlanti and that crew tackle, tackle Scooby-Doo. Scooby I just love Scooby-Doo, <laughs> and I'd love to see the dark, ridiculous well, great take on Greg it. Greg Berlanti, man, he knows, he, his contract, it was like, I, was, I think it was $400 million contract yeah. with Warner Brothers to keep doing what he's doing and add stuff. Yeah. So... This is a really good segue into our news segment because we got a lot to cover. Sounds great. Yeah. Since we're talking about Greg Berlanti and his CW superhero stuff, mm -hmm. it looks like we might be getting a Superman television series. How much does it look like? I don't know. Okay. But it it so the crossover, the CW superhero crossover, they yeah. do an annual crossover. This one is titled Elseworlds. If you know stuff about DC Comics, that's a very important word to use Elseworlds. And it kind of makes me excited to see what we're going to get. And I've seen some screenshots and images from set photos that have been leaked onto the internet and yeah. things. So I kind of already have an idea of where it's going. In this, they're going to introduce Batwoman, 
and it's going to take place in Gotham City, and then she's going to get her own show. Yeah. So I already watch all the superhero shows, and I'm just adding another one. Cool. <laughs> I'm excited, but, yeah. oh, here's another show. But when I was reading the stuff about the, the crossover, we might be getting a Superman series using the actor who plays Superman yeah. from the Supergirl show is going to get his own series. And from what I understand, it might be loosely like a new Lois and Clark Okay. Yeah, I've, I've heard them say that they were thinking about revisiting which, a Lois and Clark. Which is revival. awesome. But what's crazy about that is that we just had our whole episode where we talked about Henry Cavill not being in <laughs> yeah. Superman anymore mm-hmm. and then being done with those movies. And if they're done with the Superman movies, I'm getting Superman on TV. That's kind of how I feel. Is I mean, I don't know if they've even released any official word about whether... <laughs> What's going on with Henry Cavill as Superman? I don't know if they will. I almost feel like they're just going to not include him in future movies and then quietly sweep it under the rug. Well, I I mean, I had heard, I read something the other day that Henry Cavill actually did shoot his cameo for Shazam. Oh, okay. So I don't know if there's any truth to that, but apparently Shazam is going to have the Henry Cavill (laughs) um, uh, cameo. That's so. wild. That would be a crazy turn of events. But. It would be, and it would probably spark the internet going, wait, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, but no, DC is just doing, they're just doing amazing things with their television properties. And you can say what you want about the movies and stuff. You know, I mean, everyone's going to have different tastes to each his own, but they're just knocking it out of the park with their television yeah. properties. There is another side to the coin, though, is Marvel has their Netflix series and they just canceled two of them. Right. Iron Fist, which everybody who watches Iron <laughs> Fist is probably like, thank you for canceling that show. And Luke Cage got canceled, which that actually was a surprise to me that Luke Cage is gone. But knowing that Disney is now going to be pulling out of Netflix real soon because they're launching their own streaming app, if Netflix decides to cancel their Marvel properties because, like, that could be direct response to, well, we're not going to let you have it, so we're just going to cancel the show. Yeah, that's you kind know? of. I didn't even think of that. That was that when I heard when I heard that Iron Fist got canceled. That's what I thought of. Do you think would Disney have the ability to take those same characters and actors and bring them over to their own streaming app for a show? Or maybe maybe they mm-hmm. have to start all over. I have no clue. Yeah, um, that'd be really weird because I know all those shows take place within the MCU, so it'd be kind of weird if right. they had to say, by the way, this this stuff didn't happen, or maybe they'd say, well, it did happen, but we're just not continuing those stories and bringing something right. else into place. So. And there's that, too. I have no idea. I just thought it was interesting. that, that That's just something that crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, inter- very interesting. Um, well, Wonder Woman gets her release date moved. Yeah, okay, so... I can't. I remember seeing this. Did it move June forward or move backwards? backwards. So okay. June. So it was supposed to release November of 2019, which would have been cool. Mm-hmm. But now it's going to release uh, June of 2020. Right. That's a big jump. Now a couple things are happening here. One, they're moving away from other titles. But I don't think Wonder That's Woman has to thing. worry. I don't think Wonder Woman has to worry about any box office competition from anybody. Everyone wants a sequel to that film. It mm-hmm. was so good. And that happens a lot, like when a so like when Star Wars and like when Force Awakens was coming out and they announced the release date. If you watched the Hollywood, like if you watched all the release dates of other movies coming out at the time, Force Awakens announces the release date and everyone goes whoa, and they all start 
pulling away from those weeks. They're like, let's stay away from Star Wars because they're going to kill us. I remember, I think Batman v Superman changed its release date because it was originally coming out the same weekend as Captain America Civil War. And I mean, retrospectively, regardless of how bad that could have been for either movie at the box office... I wish it would have happened because it would have been the funnest like theater going weekend. Ever, not, all, so. not only that, but I would have like if that would have actually happened. Captain America Winters was it no uh, Civil War Civil yeah. War and Batman, Batman versus Superman yeah. releasing at the same time. Here's what would have happened: A, I would have definitely have gone to see them both in the same weekend, mm-hmm. and B. I probably would have seen them both on the same day. I would have bought tickets to both, yeah. staggered my showings, <laughs> yeah. watched one, went to lunch, went back to the theater and watched the other one. It would have been amazing. It would have been awesome. It's the same audience. And that's what these, and I know Marvel and DC know that it's the same audience, but they just need to, you know, not be so scared of like competing, yeah. I guess. Well, I know this past year, I think it was May this past year, we had Infinity War, Deadpool, and Solo, I think, all coming back out the back same month. Back to back to back. And I know a lot of people did the thing where they were like, okay, I'll see my the my two most anticipated ones now, and then I'll wait for one to come out on DVD, right. which was Solo. Unfortunately, it was Solo for a lot of people, but I know that if Wonder Woman moved to avoid competition, it could have been for a reason like that. So. Well, it could have. Wonder Woman could also have to be like in a costume where she's going to be like a CG, like what they're doing with her after she becomes cheated. Right. No one really, we, no one knows anything. No one's talked about it. We just know mm-hmm. she's playing that character. So there could have been a lot of work there. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with it because I would rather them take the time and give me a perfect product yeah. than, you know, phone it in. Yeah, how I feel is I fully respect Patty Jenkins and the whole Wonder Woman team, and I they can do whatever they want as long as if they can recreate the magic from the first one, you know, take your time and make something awesome. So right. Um, did you have any news that you wanted to get to? Oh yeah, I wanted to mention. So um, actually, back on the Scarlett Johansson episode, we talked a lot about live action anime adaptations into film. So we talked about. Ghost in the Shell and Alita Battle Angel a lot and stuff. So this past week, two huge ones were actually announced. Um, two of my favorite animes, actually, which is Attack on Titan, they just announced. Right. Warner Brothers was going to do a live-action Hollywood movie. And then the other one is My Hero Academia, which Legendary is doing. Right, and My Hero <laughs> Academia has kind of become, I don't want to say a sleeper hit, but I feel like it's... It's, sort of a sleeper hit in a way. Like it's people are suddenly discovering it and getting bigger <laughs> yeah. and bigger. It's yeah, it's one of those things. It, the uh, manga started in 2014, <laughs> but I think this past year or so, it's just kind of become really huge. And it's kind of I'm kind of the same way because the show is the show and uh, manga was on my radar for a really long time. But I started reading it and watching the anime a little bit earlier this year and got really into it. Um, that being said, Legendary Pictures doing My Hero Academia, I don't know how I feel about it because the show centers around, um, it's a lot like Sky High, the premise, so it's like a lot of kids with superpowers going to a superhero school, but right. the series takes place in Japan, so a lot of it is very central around uh, Japanese like school culture and like the right. Japanese culture, so if Legendary is doing an American version of it, I'm really not sure how it's going to go because I don't know if they're going to be changing characters' names, if they're going to be changing oh, a lot of aspects to right. it. So I'm going to wait and see, but they also might be d- shooting the whole thing in Japan. So it'll just right. be kind of... I'm not really sure about that one. Because it's a superhero 
movie, because it's going to be a superhero movie, though, I feel like it might be, it might have a better, how do I want to phrase this? It might have the chance to be better uh, than a lot of other anime adaptations. Like, it might not be the next Dragon Ball Evolution, which was really bad. <laughs> you know, right. because us as Americans, we're really known for doing good superhero movies. Well, like, it Full might Metal Alchemist. Really Full Metal Alchemist had a live-action movie. It's either on its way or it already released like kind of like a Netflix kind of thing. I don't I don't don't quote me. Yeah. I don't think it's on yeah. Netflix right now. I just saw a trailer for it right. and it looked pretty solid in terms of what mm-hmm. the anime looks like versus what the live action looks right. like. It looked it looked great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I haven't seen that one so I'm not sure. Um, I just watched the trailer so it's either out already or it's yeah. coming. Um, but I also did want to say Attack on Titan. I'm actually so my hero, I'm being cautiously optimistic about the whole thing. Attack on Titan, I'm actually pretty excited because uh, the guy directing it is uh, Andy Muschietti. I hope I pronounced that right. But he is the director of It Chapter 1, which came out oh. last year. And uh, Mama, have you seen the movie Mama? The um, movie? Yeah, the, Ryan's shaking his head. Yes. I have not seen it, but I had a... A lot of fun whispering it to people because, like, the Mama line. Yeah. Um, Mama's actually really good. Like, I was really impressed by that film. But the thing is, if you know Attack on Titan, you know it's about... It's a post-apocalyptic story about these people fighting off these giant monsters called Titans that look like these really deranged, deformed humans. They're just giant, and they just come and eat people. And knowing how um, some of the imagery was in It, as well as uh, the main villain in the movie Mama, with this director, I know he's going to do the Titans justice, if nothing else. Like, he's going to show us some really awesome-looking Titans. So I'm actually pretty excited about it. So I think both have the potential to be good, as long as they're done right, is probably what I could leave it as. So That's cool. Well, (laughs) I have uh, one more piece of news that I thought was worth mentioning. Um... There's been a lot of rumors about Star Wars spinoff films mm-hmm. since um, Solo underperformed at the box office. And like I said before in a previous episode, I don't think it underperformed so much as it didn't make the money they wanted it to because they had to shoot it twice. Right. Um, because directors got fired and then director got rehired and they had to reach base and they reshot a good chunk of the movie. So um, with that being said, they... So they Lucasfilm basically said we're going to rethink how we're going to release all the Star Wars stuff. I think something that came out, I just saw this article. Kathleen Kennedy, CEO of Lucasfilm, has said that the Boba Fett spinoff movie is 100% dead. <laughs> right. Now, what I think is interesting about this is, as we talked about Star Wars, upcoming Star Wars things, if I'm having conversations with friends at work or if I'm having a conversation with a friend at like a party or something... There's always someone that goes, yeah, well, the Boba Fett movie's coming. Here's the thing. When it comes to Star Wars, honestly, I think more so than any other company, if it doesn't come from the horse's mouth, it is not true. I don't ever remember anyone from Lucasfilm saying, we are making a Boba Fett movie. (laughs) Yeah. There was a rumor about a Boba Fett movie. There was a rumor that there was a director attached to a Boba Fett movie, and then the director um, was sort of let go, and the movie was shelved. Mm-hmm. But there was never anything solid. There was never a script. There was never any like story treatments done. From what I understand, there was it was just the idea that hey, this could be cool. Not we're doing this. 
not the way they did with Solo or Rogue One. Like, those two movies, it was very, like, we're doing this, this is happening. Yeah. Um, with the uh, the sequel trilogy so far, 7, 8, and 9, we're doing this, this is happening. Those have been very solid, this is happening kind of statements from Lucasfilm. So now, Kathleen Kennedy says the Boba Fett movie is 100% dead. Direct from the horse's mouth, no Boba Fett movie. Which, honestly, I'm kind of relieved about, because <laughs> that's a character that's got a lot of mystery behind him. Okay. And the way I look at it is, if you want to tell a Boba Fett story, great, but you have to make him cool again. Because, for me, I'm never going to tell you that Boba Fett doesn't look cool. Mm-hmm. Everyone agrees that's one of the coolest suits of armor <laughs> ever in the history of, well, ever. Like, it's yeah. such a cool, like, suit of armor and tactical suit, whatever. And we all love it. But when you look at the screen and you say, hey, that guy's cool, what does he do? And then you watch through the series, you're like, well, not much. Yeah. You know, it's it was the books that came, there was the novels that were released and the comic books were released that made Boba Fett be the badass that Boba Fett is Mm -hmm. and it gave him his fandom so people have like put this character on this pedestal and I was always like well if you're going to make him this cool telling a story about him could deteriorate the mystery Mm -hmm. I always thought he was a really good supporting character make him the villain in the Han Solo sequel if you want make him Make him a third-party villain somewhere else and, like, have him in the background somewhere so we know that there's a Boba Fett something coming. Yeah. That's the way I always wanted that character to be handled because I didn't always... I didn't want to know too much about him. Yeah, and I, I've heard the same argument with uh, if they did a Yoda... Uh, Yoda's another one story, I don't want like, a story The about. mystery makes the character better. When you brought up the whole fact of the Yo- or the Boba Fett movie being canceled, I just had to laugh because I just know how many fanboys are just like so pissed off about that. Oh, and, you know, th- there's fanboys in a complete uproar, and mm-hmm. I'm and I saw the article what maybe either this morning or yesterday with the with the quote from Kathleen Kennedy, and I was like, holy cow, because her quote read, "The Boba Fett movie is 100% dead." Yeah. In terms of that subject matter, we are focusing all of our attention on. The Mandalorian television series that John Favreau is direct, mm-hmm. writing, and there you go. Awesome. Because then you have characters with cool armor. Still well, that's the thing: get... is the Mandalorian. He looks like Boba Fett because he's wearing Mandalorian armor. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna get to see him do cool stuff. And you're getting, you know, a whole. I mean, I don't know how long the series is gonna be, but at least so many episodes where the Boba Fett movie would have been two hours, and you would have waited years for it to come out, and that would have been it, sort of thing. So. Right. I do, I mean, I do want Boba Fett to show up if they do move forward with, like, Solo, like a sequel to Solo. I think, I think Solo really, truly deserves a sequel. Mm -hmm. It really does. Um, I hope that, I hope that it gets it. Uh, I watched all the bonus features for Solo now, um, mostly because, because they had to shoot the movie twice. There's a lot of stuff in there in terms of the two different films and i wonder what the other film would have looked like if it ever got finished yeah instead of reshooting a whole chunk of things so right i don't know was do you have any other thoughts on that or before i i mean no it's because it it sucks that it's not coming out because i always want more star wars but i just hope what they do what they are putting out is really good and quality and oh i think i think they know i think I think they know they're putting out quality stuff. How, how about this? Is I enjoyed The Last Jedi a lot, but I know a lot of people didn't. So I want... I miss when everybody could kind of get behind Star Wars and enjoy it together. And I kind of 
hope whatever they put on, out will bring the fandom back together again. So I think this is how I would phrase so it. So how about I put it this way? When The Force Awakens came out, we hadn't had a Star Wars movie. Okay, so we had been waiting 15 years for a Star Wars movie. But the story that Force Awakens was telling is a story that we had been waiting 30 years to see mm-hmm. um, because of the placement and the timeline. Now, we all came together. Like, the whole world came together as a united force to see Star Wars The Force Awakens. That's all anyone ever wanted to talk mm-hmm. about. It was amazing. It was one of the coolest times. Um, and it made Christmas. It made that Christmas so cool because Star Wars came out, well, right at Christmas. Um, when The Last Jedi came out, people were, there were complaints about The Force Awakens that it was too much like the original film. And I see the parallels that they're talking about, but if you really look at the movie, I don't think it's that similar to that original film as everyone says it is. With that said, it's a part one of a three-part story. We went into The Last Jedi, which has a lot of controversy from fans in terms of people love it or hate it. If you go back and look at the original trilogy, uh, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, people hated Empire Strikes Back. Really? Yeah, it would, people <laughs> people did not like that movie. And it wasn't until later that Empire Strikes Back became the fan favorite. Mm-hmm. And now, when you say what's your favorite Star Wars movie, depending on what generation of fan they're from, most people say The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. What I think is interesting about that is... We haven't seen the third part of the sequel trilogy. Episode 9 hasn't come out yet. When Episode 9 comes out and we finally get the closing to that story or finally finding out what is actually going on, I think people are going to look at Last Jedi and go, wow, that movie was way better than I thought. Right. Now, I loved The Last Jedi. And I'm not saying I'm an apologist for Star Wars because I'm very like... You know, when you truly love something, you take all of it, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. So even the stuff that... I wasn't sure if I liked, I still like in the end. Like this one sequence in Last Jedi, I feel like I could do without, or maybe it could have been a little better. Okay. But I can't, I, I'm no filmmaker. I shouldn't be critiquing at all. I know nothing about that stuff. And even if I was a filmmaker, I don't want to play in the Star Wars universe. That's someone else's job mm-hmm. because I would be terrified to write in that universe. Um, but I just think when people see episode nine, their opinions of episode eight are going to change. Yeah, and I, I hope so, you know. So, I hope that, uh, because that's how it, it's just with how the world is today and everybody immediately reacting to things online, and I think that can lend to the spread of negativity really fast. And I just kind of miss the days when, like, for me, like a really um, kind of warm memory for me is like going to see the Star Wars prequels when they were coming out. And I was in around high school age at the time. And I remember going with my brothers and all my friends and being really excited about it. And regardless of things people didn't like about the movies, I think it was just really fun to kind of be fans, like all of fandom kind right. of being together on this ride. And I kind of just want that feeling to come back. I know you didn't want this like big sort of philosophy philosophical Star Wars fandom conversation no, coming let's, out, but... Let's, I have yeah. no problem talking... You want to talk Star Wars fandom? Let's talk Star Wars fandom. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. I'm just saying, like... I just... Here's the thing. If you want to... If you want Star Wars news, there's a much better podcast than us to handle the Star <laughs> right, Wars right news. On. But in terms of our own personal opinions and beliefs and how we look yeah. at that franchise, when I look at my favorite things in this world, 
like Star Wars and Batman are at the top of the list, and I don't know which ones I like better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I just I want all Star Wars to be great. Yeah. And I remember I remember when the Clone Wars was airing on TV. And I was talking with people, like, episode to episode, like, what do you think? Did you watch it? And, like, they clearly weren't into it the way I was because yeah. I was like, dude, the next episode of Clone Wars dropped. Um, that show doesn't have – like, there are episodes in there that aren't that great. But here's what I'll say is I would rather watch bad Star Wars than almost bad anything else. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that's kind of how I look at it. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, people, there's some characters that people don't like in Star Wars, which is fine. We don't all have to like the same characters. There's characters yeah. I don't, but I guarantee there's characters that I like least, I, I like them less than characters that other people dislike. Yeah. You know, there's some big popular names that get thrown out there that people just hate certain characters. I'm like, I don't have a problem with that guy. <laughs> right. this other guy I have a problem with. <laughs> so, yeah. um... But no, I'm really, really excited for what Lucasfilm's got coming. I just, it's... I just think with this Boba Fett news, it's very important to note. And the reason I wanted to talk about it specifically was it doesn't matter if it's Lucasfilm or Marvel or DC or Disney or Fox. It doesn't matter who it is. If it's not coming directly from the company that's making the thing, it's probably not true. So, you know, in a world of fake news, pay attention to what you're reading on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> you, you know. just can't assume it's true until you hear an right, official exactly. statement. Right, exactly. And um, I would love to, you know... I know some people are like, well, where are you getting your news from? I would love to sit and list down all the places we get the news. But if I told you where I get all my news, then you probably won't listen to the podcast anymore. So <laughs> For sure. I've just found some sources in the ethos that have I've come to find are very trustworthy in their information. And right. those are the sites and websites and other things that I look at that I go, oh, that's a mm-hmm. good trustworthy place to go. Especially for this entertainment news. Yeah. So, um that's it I got for news. I'm sorry. We kind of wanted a little Star no, Wars tangent good. there. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk uh, time travel movies? Sounds great. All yeah. right. Let's talk the top five. Perfect. Um, <laughs> okay. So this was my pick. So let me talk about this real briefly. I wanted to do this list anyway, but there's this guy Ryan and I work with who talks a lot about time travel lately. So the mm-hmm. conversation has been pretty heavy in terms of time travel yeah. discussions. So I just figured let's move to... Let's just do it now since it's all in my mind. Um, so, yeah, that's basically why we're doing this. I want to do this list anyway. Awesome. So, um, it's my pick, so you get your first uh, honorable mention. Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, my first honorable mention. If you have way, any. Oh, yeah, I do. Um, I do want to say this was one of the hardest lists <clears throat> we've ever done because it's very hard to narrow down. Well, this is this is like last week's episode, not last week, um, our Halloween episode mm-hmm. where there were so many movies that <laughs> yeah. I wanted to s- discuss. And again, there are so many movies I want to talk about, but it's and even that, like, even if you can get it down to the like the top ten time tra- time travel movies, trying to eliminate the three off so that you have your top five and honorable mentions is just so hard. Right so. now, with that being said. Um, I mentioned movies, they have to be about time travel. Yes. So Superman, the movie where they turned back time at the end, the movie's not about time travel. That's just something that happened in the movie. Right. Marvel's Doctor Strange is not a time travel movie, but there's a time travel element in the movie. Mm -hmm. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I'd even was, venture to say uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is, like, is not about yeah. time travel, but there's a time travel spell, or it was a... The ti- uh, it's it they a, use the time turner at the thank end. You, to, thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm like, it's a spell or an object. <laughs> it's a magical object. It was something. I just don't remember mm-hmm. what it was. <clears throat> so anyways, leading into my first pick... Um, is uh, Idiocracy. You've seen this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I love this, this movie. movie is, uh, this movie is scary realistic. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. It's, um, so I didn't know how, there's no, like, time travel machine in it or anything per se, but it's a uh, man who works, I think he works for the military, and uh, he's played by Luke Wilson, and he gets cryogenically frozen because he volunteers for, for a cryogenic experiment. experiment. Yeah, and... Uh, he ends up being. He was supposed to be frozen for a year, and uh, was it a goes, year? I thought it was like a couple of weeks. It might have been. It was a very <laughs> short time period, and something goes wrong where he ends up getting frozen for I think a thousand or two thousand years. Anyways, the movie kind of explores how this man was of average intelligence, but by the time he wakes up, he's actually literally the smartest person on the planet, and it just kind of explores the idea that. The Earth's population is just getting dumber and dumber each generation. Well, so that's true. What's interesting is it's kind of a – what's weird about the movie is it's meant to just be a comedy about, mm-hmm. you know, this guy waking up in the future and yeah. dealing with the changes in the world. But what's weird about it is it's almost a social commentary as to where we are headed today. Exactly. But if you look real closely at the movie, we are already there. Like, I, I with, think with so. the way people talk, the dialogue, the, you know, the product, the way the product's placed in our lives. like How, the, uh, how texting has affected our <laughs> language and we don't speak in real words anymore. I know, um, it's, it's... People's dependence <laughs> on technology, that was a huge thing in the movie where people just relied on machines and right. stuff to there do are, stuff there's for a, them. There's a few things that are a little over the top, but for the most part, I mean, it was, it was, it's scary how that movie portray yeah. the potential future yeah. and it terrifies me i was driving down the street the other day and there was a sign um there's a sign on the corner of the street for um, like a real estate sign and it's a handwritten one for like clearly looking for people to help with whatever but they misspelled one of the words <laughs> and it made us laugh but it made me so angry mm-hmm. to see it <laughs> well, i see so. that so much uh online on a lot of these websites even like really reputable news sources and stuff where there's misspelled words because yeah somebody wrote an article and they hit spell check but if they you know put had where they meant to put has spell check isn't going to catch that so right. there's typos all over the place well this guy this guy legitimately spelled the word positive wrong <laughs> he <laughs> nice. spelled it positive <laughs> nice <laughs> so um we, i just laugh at it when i drive past it so nice um but yeah i mean i love this movie just because there's so many funny parts but i also just really enjoy that it's a newer movie, and it's kind of newer in the sense that I think it came out in 2007 or something like that, so it's a little over 10 years old, but it's something that I think has really just become this cultural reference point for people where you can talk about things and then relate our world to idiocracy just like we we're just doing, so right. I think it's awesome. So Yeah, no, idiocracy is great. Uh, everyone listening to this should check that movie out, if not <laughs> for the fact that you like time travel movies, mostly so you understand and can join us in the uh, fight to keep us from becoming <laughs> what those people are. Yeah. Um, all right, so my first honorable mention is uh, Hot Tub Time Machine. <laughs> nice. Like I said, there's so many movies I want to discuss, yeah. but I want to talk about Hot Tub Time Machine because this movie's got a couple things for me. 
I'm a sucker for movies that have skiing in them. <laughs> right. Like, I love skiing movies. And this movie is has skiing in it, and it's about time travel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they handled... They were really smart about the time travel stuff in the movie. So, like, the guy was missing the arm. Like, how'd he lose his arm? And when they go into the past and he's got both arms, they're all like, how'd he lose it? And <laughs> you're just waiting for that moment of when he actually loses yeah. his arm. And... Um, when they look at like previous relationships or like they, I, it's, they were really smart and especially the guys didn't know they went back in time. It took them a minute to realize they were in the past. Yeah. So it's just this, it's a smart comedy mm-hmm. and that's something I really loved about it. The second one had its moments, but it wasn't nearly as good as the first. Uh, yeah, I so. agree. I like, um, it's a really fun, uh, mixture between kind of the newer comedy, like style comedies they do, um. You know, stuff like The Hangover and, like, all the newer comedies of today, but then also merging that with, like, kind of becoming, when they go back in time, it's kind of like the stereotypical 80s story as well. So it explores that as well as all the cool time travel elements that you were talking about before, so. Yeah. Um, I don't have a lot to say about Hot Time Machine. Right I just, yeah. So, go ahead. So, uh, on to my next pick. Uh, this one might be lower on my list than people would want it to be, but I put Back to the Future Part 3. Um, obviously, the Back to the Future movies are an amazing trilogy of just this awesome time travel story. I think the third one just doesn't speak to me as much. I'm not a huge, um, wild, like, Western fan, I guess, and I think just the setting and stuff... I still enjoy it quite a bit. It's an honorable mention. It's just not up there with the top two. I this movie's great. I, back to the Future as a whole. Yeah. Um, all three movies together. You watch them back to back, all three. It is such a cool ride. It's such a cool story, and it's solid. It's there's mm-hmm. there doesn't seem to be any plot holes, except for one. <laughs> okay. Um, I. Don't in the second one when he's like, we gotta go back to the future. We gotta, it's gotta do something about your kids. I don't understand what the rush is. Mm-hmm. Like he could have just said, I gotta tell you this thing about your kids. This is gonna happen in the future. We gotta fix this because it's gonna destroy the family. <laughs> you know, he it, there was this big rush to get there. Have you seen? Um, um, however, if you didn't rush to get there, then the rest of the movie wouldn't have made sense. So, have you watched or read eleven twenty two sixty three? No. Okay. So, because uh, that kind of happens in that, because the it's a show, and it was also a Stephen King novel, but the show is on Hulu. That's all I've watched. But it's about a guy going back in time to re- prevent the assassination of JFK. So before the guy goes back in time, um, he's actually kind of uh, commissioned by this older gentleman to do the same thing, because this older guy was trying to prevent JFK's assassination. And he wasn't able to do it before he died, so then he finds, like, a young guy that he knows to send him back. While he's explaining to it, it's more of what you're saying, where he sits him down around a table and goes through all the plans and stuff like that. So I just kind of like that idea that it's just, you'd rather have Doc Brown be like, hey, Marty, I need to talk to you. It's, not that, I, it's <laughs> not that I'd rather have it. It was like, it makes it more exciting to have the rush, to make you go, oh, oh we yeah. gotta go do this. But when you sit back and think about it, I don't understand what the rush was. Mm-hmm. So with that being said... Um, the movies as a whole, what where Back to the Future three doesn't sit with me the way the originals do, and has nothing to do with the Wild West time period. It didn't have the same. Uh, I didn't feel it was as um, 
urgent, maybe? Ur- like the yeah. sense of urgency. Yeah, the sense of urgency yeah. I didn't feel was there the way the other ones were. And maybe that's they what made it a, they made is. A, they made yeah. one heck of a solid movie. It's a really good movie. It's just by itself, like, I don't think I'd watch it by itself. I would have to watch the first two before I watch the third. Exactly. I yeah. wouldn't just sit down and say, I'm going to watch Back to the Future 3. Mm-hmm. So. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So my last uh, honorable mention is Deja Vu. I may have seen this. I'm actually not sure. Denzel Washington, Val Kilmer. When Denzel, did it come out? Uh, Mid 2000s. I don't think I've seen this. You don't think? You don't, I don't know think about this so, movie? But keep going. All right. So Denzel Washington. So beginning of the movie, there's the ferry. Um, I want to say it's Staten Island ferry. Okay. I could be wrong. Um, I honestly, I'm blanking on what city. I want to say it's New York. Right. Um, it's. If it's New York, it's probably Staten Island. It's it's either New York or San Francisco, but I am totally blanking on what city (laughs) this takes place in. It's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. What I can tell you is is there's a ferry getting loaded up with people, Mm -hmm. right? And there's like, uh, there's some sailors and stuff like on leave, they're coming in and they get on the ferry and it explodes. Turns out there was a bombing. It was meant to be, it was a terrorist attack. Like one guy blew up the boat, right? All these people Mm -hmm. died because he blew them up. And Denzel Washington's brought in as the ATF agent, as, and he's doing his investigation, and he discovered a body that washed up on shore two miles down that had something in the girl's pocket that raised some eyebrows with the FBI. And they're like, oh, you spotted something that we didn't. Let's go, take, let's go talk to you. And Val Kilmer's the FBI agent that comes in and oh, okay. um, chats with him. And he goes, well, I have this program that I want to show you that we're looking at, maybe you can help us. And he's like, well, I don't understand what you want me for. He's like, well, you spotted something we didn't. Maybe a fresh pair of eyes would help. So they bring him into this, like, bunker with all these people with uh, computers, and they're like, okay, and they're pulling all this stuff on these monitors, Mm -hmm. and they're showing you all this footage from what looks like security cameras um, that... He that it looks like it's security cameras of just of like four days before the explosion. So they're looking at four days before the explosion, whatever. And then the next time he comes in, he's like, okay, what are we looking at now? They're like, well, now we're like up to this point before the explosion. He goes, well, can we go back? Like, no, we only have this short window where we can look. Mm-hmm. What you find out is, is that they inadvertently creating this surveillance tech because they were getting angles that they shouldn't be able to get. So... With the surveillance tech that they made, they inadvertently made time travel. Okay. So they were looking at the actual past mm-hmm. through these monitors. So when he's like, well, let's look at this person's house because it was one of the victims, the one washed up on the shore. They went and looked at the house and it led them to all the clues that basically ended up solving everything. Oh, cool. But when they realize, and he's like, well, hold on a second, then we need to send... He's, he was like, well, if you can send an image, you know, light, because you're basically just sending an image with light and that kind of stuff. If you're able to teletransport that back in time, can we send an object? Light is like maybe a piece of paper. And they're mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? Like, send a note. And like, to who? And he's like, well, how about to me? Send it to my desk. Huh. So they send it to his desk, and you get to see an earlier scene that it the way the way the loop happened with the yeah. time travel, it's 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 almost mind blowing. Okay, but I don't want to say anymore. Yeah. Like it is a really cool movie. Telling you the movie is about time travel when you haven't seen it <laughs> kind of ruins the movie <laughs> because enough. when I went in, I didn't know it was about time yeah. travel. 
I uh, yeah, so, I haven't seen that movie. It sounds really awesome. I uh, the title just sounded so familiar to me, so I probably remember the title when it came out. But yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, you should check definitely it check it out. So uh, deja vu, guys. It's it's great. Nice. So. Um, all right, man. What's your first actual pick? My first actual pick um, is Army of Darkness. So, <laughs> a couple episodes ago, I talked a lot about the Evil Dead trilogy. Um, I really like them. Uh, Army of Darkness deals the most with time travel because it's Ash being sent back in time to medieval times uh, from the end of Evil Dead Two, and uh, he's in the past to fight. Uh, you know, the Book of the Dead and the deadites back there and uh this one is so much more of a comedy than the other movies exactly (laughs) exactly um this movie i don't want to spend too much time since we've talked about these movies a lot but it's just kind of right up my alley as far as like crazy special creature effects and stuff like that as well as just comedy and stuff like that um one of my favorite scenes is when um the people first, uh, when Ash first comes to the past and, uh, all the people sent, like, throw him in this pit and he ends up having to fight off, like, a couple, like, this weird, like, zombie-looking witch lady and this weird monster and stuff. I think that seems really fun, but I also just love how it comes to this huge, crazy battle with, uh, essentially the skeleton army from Jason of the Argonauts, but it's just really goofy and super fun, so. Yeah, Army of Darkness is a great movie, um... I know our my friend Adam listens to this, and he's a big fan of that movie in yeah. general. So um, he's going to appreciate your call out to this. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, yeah, Army of Darkness. I, I loved the stop motion stuff. It's goofy. It's silly. But it's old school. It's old Hollywood, as I'd like to refer to it, because there's no CGI. It all has to be practical effects. It all ha- There's got to be some aspect. You know, there, mm-hmm. the CGI at that point was like stop motion, you know, um, so with everything being practical, all the blood and gore and violence and stuff, they had to do it right. And mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't, it might not look the best now, but it's still fantastic because they had to make it. Yeah, exactly. So when you look at, you know, Walking Dead and you see them using the old school effects for the zombies and stuff, they have to make that stuff. They can't just cheat, you know. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. Right on. I think uh, practical effects, when they're done really well, I think they age better than CGI a lot of times because we've... You know, we've talked about old movies like Mortal Kombat, for example, had like really bad CGI, even for the time, and today it looks like way worse. So, yeah, I mean, (laughs) practical is the way to go if you have the budget and the time. So, yeah. Um, All right. So, my first pick that we're going to talk about is Donnie Darko. Awesome. Did we match that at all? No, we we didn't match it, but I do like I wonder if we're going to, I have a feeling we're going to match one movie tonight if we match anything. Okay. Um, (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) But Donnie Darko, this is another movie that I did not think was about time travel Mm -hmm. until I'm like two thirds of the way through the movie and then you're like, oh, wait a minute. Um, And I don't want to say too much about this movie because if you haven't seen it, it's, I highly, highly recommend it. It can be very confusing to watch. But it's such, it's definitely worth the sit in the sense of, like, I just kind of felt like I was in a completely different place after I watched that movie. Like, you know, one of those profound moments where the movie ends and you're just still sitting on the couch, you're like, (laughs) whoa, that was a good movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And there were some nice little surprises to it. And it's really interesting when you get to the end of the movie and you have this, like, moment in your thought process of that story technically wouldn't have happened at all if he didn't do X. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if he didn't do this one thing early on, 
none of this would have happened. <laughs> so um, it's a very unique look at time travel. Mm-hmm. Not as opposed to a physical device so much as more of a metaphysical device. No, yeah. I mean, I think this one's really great. It is a very, like, you have to pay a lot of attention to make sure you catch everything and even understand it on the first viewing. When I was in high school, I remember Army of Darkness being, like, really popular. And I think I had, like, a group of friends who just watched it to death and talked about it to death. So it's kind of like I haven't revisited it in a very long time. Army of Darkness? Or, sorry, Donnie Donnie Darko. Darko. (laughs) I just looked down at my paper and saw Army of Darkness. (laughs) Anyways, Donnie Darko... um, since then, I just haven't had the urge to revisit it. So, but I right. definitely think it's an awesome pick. So, and right. the, the whole ending and the whole movie together is just well. Kind the of time awesome. travel. When I say metaphysical, it's very like we have our own timeline that we're following. Yeah, like the way they the way they visually showed how I have my own personal timeline that I'm mm-hmm. following. I thought that was that was the most interesting piece of it to me. Right, when I realized what was going on, and it's it's also a very bizarre piece of the movie too. Mm-hmm. So. And uh, I just like how the by the end of the movie, kind of the way everything plays out. And I don't want to say too much for people who haven't seen it, but it's just really interesting when it's just like how the beginning of the movie and the ending, like how it all fits together in this yeah. like really um, intricate bow. The there is a sequel called S Darko. Never seen it. Don't. Okay. It's that's what I I heard. So it's horrible. Really? It should never have been made. It was kind of like someone was like, let's make another movie, then play in this universe, and yeah, they they should have just left that universe alone. <laughs> right. So yeah. Nice. All um, right. Next pick. My next here. pick yep. then. My next pick is Justice League and the Flashpoint Paradox. Oh. So this is a uh, DC animated movie. Um, if you don't know, this is a, a movie about... Um, I have described this movie almost in yes. its entirety a few episodes ago. Right. So um, if you didn't listen to that episode, I won't spoil anything, but it's a movie that centers around the Flash, and uh, something happens where he wakes up in an altered timeline where... The Justice League is broken up, so to speak, or never existed is a better way to say he, it. He caused um, the pro- he caused the altered time. That's the part too. I wasn't gonna spoil because oh. it wasn't revealed right away. But sorry, um, no, it's all good. But yeah, it's it's really cool because it's um, you know, Batman is actually Bruce Wayne actually died instead of his parents in the alley. Right. So Thomas Wayne is Batman, and you know, Wonder Woman and Aquaman are battling each other. We've talked about this movie a lot, but I just think. I really think when it comes down to that, this movie is like possibly my favorite DC animated movie. And it's, that's a really strong thing to say. And I think going into it, you have to be familiar with all the Justice League characters to an extent. Like if you understand who Batman, Superman, The Flash, Wonder Woman, etc. are and kind of like who their main rogues and stuff, as long as you know that well enough, it makes such a good watch. And I think it's just... It's just really, really solid watch. I don't know what else no, to say right now. But. No, it, Flashpoint is... Here's the thing. If you don't want to watch the movie, if you're not a cartoon person, go to your library or go to your comic book store and pick up the graphic novel mm-hmm. because it's such a solid story. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that's the thing is I just think it's a really good story. And, like, I'm a big Superman fan, for example, and Superman in this movie is very underpowered, I'd say, or he's not the typical 
traditional Superman, and normally people who no. are big Superman fans might not like but what it they as much do, because but of that. But what they do with the characters, whether it be Batman, Superman, or any of the others, yeah, it is a natural writing choice. Like, this is probably how it would have played out if X happened to this. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so if it didn't happen the way we know it to happen, this is probably how it would have played out. And, and I agree with that. I was just saying, like, since, like... Superman is kind of underpowered and not a big part of it. At, me as a Superman fan, you wouldn't think I'd like this movie, but I love it because it's just that good. Right. is kind of what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, it's so. just it's such it's smart storytelling in terms of having to create an alternate reality to do this. Right. So, yeah. So that's and, my and great. I was going to say yeah, maybe hopefully point. that's what the Flash movie is supposed to be <laughs> because I'd love to see a live action mm-hmm. version of this. It'd be so. cool. Um all right, so is that on a flashpoint? Yeah. Before I much. give you my next pick, so my next pick is going to be. Let me bounce my list here a little bit. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about the time machine. Okay, nice. This definitely made my short list. Okay, so. so when I say the time machine, I'm referring to, well, this is the H.G. Wells novel, The Time Machine, but I'm referring to the 1960 version of the film, not mm-hmm. the newer one with Guy Pierce. The original Yeah. Um yeah, that, yeah, that's I don't know if it's the original that might not be the original film. Uh, there could be one that they did in black and white. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I'm talking I, about I think the, that is the original, but yeah, keep going. Right, I'm just talking about the color one from 1960 um with the Morlocks and the Eloys and um, mm-hmm. they uh it's basically about a guy who invented a time machine and he goes and looks at the past. And he goes and looks at the future, and when he's in the future, he realizes it's basically this thing about knowledge was never carried on because there's two types, there's two beings left on the planet when he goes far enough into the future. You have the Eloys who live on the surface, and they're like this, you know, happy-go-lucky, you know, very naive, just enjoying life type people. And then you have living underground as the Morlocks, who are basically the workers, and they feed on the Eloys. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's this interesting uh, society that you get to see and how he befriends one over the other and how it all plays out. The coolest part about the movie to me, and I know it was an intention for that, not from not necessarily just from the writer itself when H.G. Rails wrote The Time Machine, but also from the filmmakers to accentuate this, is in The Time Machine, there's a scene where he finds like the library he asks one of the girls about knowledge and books and stuff like that and she takes him to the library and they have this library it's just all pristine right and he pulls a book off the shelf and he opens it up and the paper crumbles in his hands and he gets and he gets incredibly angry because they've let this go to waste hmm. um and he like kind of screams at her like i can't believe you've done this look at look what the look what all these people have created and you're letting it go to waste and you can't even enjoy it because it's destroyed now. When he goes back to his time at the end of the movie, and this is a spoiler if you haven't seen it, but it's such a profound moment. He goes back and sees his friends and tells them everything that happened. And some of them believe him. Some of them don't. It's irrelevant. But the one guy who is kind of believing him is talking to his like housekeeper in the other room and they hear the time machine fire up. And they run in the room and he's gone. Because he clearly went back. Yeah. But his housekeeper spots three books missing from the shelf. 
and they have this moment of like, why would he have taken three books? And then the one friend who was like on the brink of believing him said to her, well, what three books would you have taken? And the movie ends right there. <laughs> and I'm like, it's it's such this cool moment because it makes you think, if you're going to go, what books would you have taken? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what, the idea of preserving the knowledge and that kind of stuff, the movie is really, the movie's a fun movie in general just because of all the stuff they talk about. But when you get to the end moment, it just, that's something that's always hung with me. Yeah. Um, so I actually didn't remember that uh, whole preserving knowledge thing, but that's actually really funny. Um, it it kind of ties in with idiocracy in a weird way, but I really like this movie. It didn't make my list, unfortunately, but I'm glad it was brought up because I was when I was putting the list together, I was like, man, I should pick it because I really want it. I think we should talk about it, but then I was like, it obviously didn't make my list. But um, it made my short list, and then it made a. Honorable mention is, and I was piecing all this together. I was like, yeah. you know, it's gonna have to make the uh, actual <laughs> list because of how I feel about the ending. Yeah. So I also really like how uh, the time machine has kind of affected our culture. Like, uh, you know, you were mentioning Morlocks and Eloy, and I feel like that's a great reference that just kind of existed within pop culture and our world. But also just seeing the time machine like referenced in other places, how it like. The actual time machine from the movie was in the Big Bang Theory, for example. Yeah, they did the and, episode, uh, which was really funny when they turn. So when they turn in Big Bang Theory, when they yeah. do that episode and they turn on the time machine, <laughs> like just for fun, like yeah. they, they they move the lever or whatever. If you've seen the sequence as to how, because when he goes to the past or goes to the future, you see everything in like super fast motion. Like, yeah. everything's sped up in terms of how, like, things are changing around him. Yeah. So, in Big Bang Theory, like, all the friends are there, and they, he, tur he one of them, I think it was Leonard, yeah. pushes the lever, like, to activate it, and then everyone starts moving around <laughs> really fast and doing things. And if you know the time machine, that's such a funny scene that yeah. they, were, you know, put that um, in there. Another cool part is in the uh, first Gremlins movie, did you know the time machine's in there? Oh, is it really? Yeah, so uh, when um, the main oh, character, I, I can't remember his name, but his father's uh, inventor. Yeah. Um, when he goes to the inventor convention, they actually have the time machine in the background oh. that the sit, sitting in and like fiddling around with. Interesting. So. Mm. I don't think I've noticed that. Well, Gremlins is a Christmas movie, and we're coming up on the holidays, mm -hmm. so maybe right. I'll catch that. Uh, maybe I'll catch it on TV or something. Um, yeah, no, I... One of the things, before we go any farther, since we're about halfway through everything, the um, the thing about time travel for me is when I'm reading stuff, I want the time travel device, whatever it is that causes them to travel through time, to be intelligently explained. Mm -hmm. Now, I say that because we had, because I mentioned hot tub time machine. Yeah. <laughs> they still had a device that allowed it to go. Right. Okay, It's they still are like, the, the time machine, the, the hot sub clearly travels through time. Okay, that's fine. What I don't like is when you create a time travel device that's not explained, which is interesting because of another pick I have, but mm -hmm. which I'm going to get to in a moment when we get back to me. But I always want it to be, I also want, also always want like some realistic discussion. Like you mentioned Back to the Future, it's a car. We know how the car works. That's yeah. how it gets behind, you know, back in time, that kind of thing. You know, I want some explanation. Yeah. It doesn't matter how it goes, but just give it to me. Mm -hmm. So. I agree. But yeah. Um, my only last I thought. just, like I said, it's weird for me to say that because. <laughs> 
a couple of my picks here <laughs> do not <laughs> But if it's well. a good enough movie, it also could counteract <laughs> right. that. My only last thought on the time machine is, didn't he, uh, before he actually used the time machine, he made a miniature one and tested it out with a cigar sitting in it in place of a human? I actually don't remember. Okay. I haven't I seen the movie say, in a very long time. What do you think ever happened to that cigar? Because I think it's just either still yeah. going into the future or it burned up at the I'd end say, of the world uh, or something like that. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie in such a long time. So, um, then, and then Ryan's then, over here silently shaking his head. <laughs> um, all right, man. What's your uh, yeah, next pick? Um, my next pick is a classic, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Right on. So this movie... Um, I saw as a as a younger kid as a kid and I uh, I really enjoyed it because I just thought it was like this funny movie about these goofy metalheads in high school who um, you know they basically are given a time machine and they uh, travel they, through they history to... and they essentially kidnap like big members from uh, the history of the world right. and the well the whole point was that they had to write a history paper <laughs> exactly so instead of like going to the library and doing research, they actually went to the said places yeah. and, you know. So I really love this movie, but I remember in fifth grade, uh, my teacher at the time actually endorsed the movie and it like struck me so odd. But when I thought about it, I was like, oh, I mean, I guess that movie does teach you about history and stuff <laughs> like that. And it gave me like even more of an appreciation. And it's at the point where I know I'm not alone in this, but certain like historical names like uh, Socrates or Genghis Khan, like, Bill and Ted's might not be the first reference point I go to in my head, but it's definitely, like, top three. Like, oh, yeah, Socrates, he was hanging out with Bill and Ted that one time. Um, <laughs> right. But otherwise, I just think it's a great film. It's really fun. You can learn from it, and it's just... I love uh, something about goofy metalhead duos of guys i think it's really awesome like well, i love wayne and garth and jay and Simon yeah and, and they did this they did the too. second one <laughs> so. they did the second one bill and ted's uh bogus journey mm -hmm. um which is great because they have that great scene where if you've ever seen it's a really old movie but have you ever seen the movie the seventh seal um a character plays a game of chess with death okay um to decide his fate if he's gonna live or die yeah. And they have a scene in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the sequel, where uh, they play games with death. Yeah. Death challenges them to a game <laughs> of chess. And, like, well, we don't like chess, but. And then they play, like, Candyland and Battleship. And, the, and like, they. <laughs> and that's a parody of that movie? It's a, no, it's a parody of that the scene. Seven, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's I've just never that even, one scene. I've never even heard of this. This sounds. Is Seventh Seal good? Because it sounds amazing. It's, it's a classic. It's okay. an old school black and white. Um, Ingrid Bergman, I think. You know, okay. I mean, it's, I've never it's even a heard real of it, old school. Awesome. Uh, but yeah, they this character plays a game of chess with death <laughs> to decide his fate if he's going to live or die. And, yeah. Um, it's, it's one of those iconic films. Um, you could probably, if you looked up the Seventh Seal now, like if you did an image search, you would see it. And like it would probably be one of the first images of the him and Death playing chess. Nice. So, um, but and then I, if you didn't hear, I I assume it's still happening, and I heard some like back and forths, but the a third Bill and Ted. Yeah. Um, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter are coming back to do the third one. I don't know much about the script, um, and as far as I know, it's still a go. Mm -hmm. um, but it's titled um, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Okay. Which nice. You know that's just a that's an awesome that's an awesome title for that. So yeah, exactly. Hopefully, hopefully we get it. Is basically all I'm gonna say. Because <laughs> I know it's kind of been a 
Alex Winter and uh, Keanu Reeves has kind of been like a passion project of theirs for a really long time. They've been struggling to actually get it made and stuff, but there's a huge group of people that just wants to see it happen. So right. yeah, I hope. And it doesn't it need to make through. a lot of money. If you look at it, if, if the original Bill and Ted fans come and see it, which they probably mm-hmm. will, you know. Yeah. So and in a world of remakes and reboots, why not just give it to us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, all right. So my next pick is going to be. Oh, we're farther along than I thought we were. I'm going to go with uh, 12 Monkeys. Awesome. Okay. Have you seen this? Yeah, I've seen your it. List? I, it's the not on my list, list, but okay. I like this movie a lot. Um, 12 Monkeys. This movie is absolutely fantastic. Um, the time travel element that causes the time travel I find to be a little confusing, but it's irrelevant because of what the story is. Mm-hmm. Basically, humanity, for the most part, has been wiped out, and those people who have survived are now living underground. And they send people on occasion back in time to figure out how the virus that wiped out humanity got released. Mm-hmm. So basically, you keep hearing talk about the army of the 12 monkeys. And so Bruce Willis is the guy who gets sent back in time a lot. And he seems to be the one getting closer and closer. And this is one of Brad Pitt's early movies as well. And... Uh, it's really, really cool how this whole story plays out. Like, there's just some really cool parts in it. And when you find out what's really going on and who really released the virus and, you know, that kind of thing. Like, yeah. It's just it's just a solid movie from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I agree. I mean, it's been a while. There's since. a show now on sci-fi, which is I that, have is not that, watched. I was going to ask if that was any good. But... I, I haven't watched it because of my love for the film. I didn't want it to deter. <laughs> I didn't want it to ruin my love for the movie. It's definitely a really good premise. I haven't watched this for a while. I remember after watching it thinking it was like so intricate and so well done. And I just, you talking about it, I'm realizing I don't remember a lot from this movie. So I really need to re-watch it, which is... Oh. Kind of another reason it just didn't make my top five list. Yeah, but. and what there's some cool stuff where like they uh, they think that so Brad Pitt is he's in an insane asylum when we first meet him, but Bruce Willis is sent to the insane asylum because no one believes he's a time traveler. No mm-hmm. one believes he's from the future. They think he's crazy, so they take him to the insane asylum. So there's a lot of stuff where he's trying to like, no, I'm not crazy. Like you know, <laughs> so there's some really cool stuff within this insane asylum, which you see a couple times in the movie and. You know, he finally finds someone that somewhat believes him and she's willing to go on the adventure to find out if he's telling the truth or not. It's just, it's a, I haven't watched this movie in a while, but it is a good, mm-hmm. solid film to watch. Yeah. I, you know what's funny? Is I've listened back to a couple episodes here and there and I listen to like you and I talk now. When we talk about things that we like on the show, we just give so, so many things a lot of praise, but we're just talking about things we like. So, yeah. you know, if you haven't seen 12 Monkeys, you really should. It's a great movie if you're looking for a good time travel movie. So. For sure. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, 12 Monkeys, that was my pick. Nice. Um, that would lead me to my next pick, which is uh, Back to the Future Part 2. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> going back to uh, these movies again. Um, like we talked about with Back to the Future Part 3, and I think you put it very well when we you were talking about Part 3 doesn't have necessarily that same sense of urgency, and I think Back to the Future Part 2 just really ramps up the urgency from uh, the first one, like, so much. It um, does, and this is one... What's interesting about 2 is, yeah, it kind of ramps up the urgency, but it's the, it seems to be the most popular not-favorite of the bunch. Okay. Like, I feel like people like that one the least, which I think is interesting. 
I'm I'm very confused about what I'm trying to say. No, and but, like when you like look when at the, when you look at the three movies, the first yeah. one, the second one, the third one. When I talk to people, they always say that the one they like the least is Back to the Future Two. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's wild because that's like that might be my second favorite, which probably <laughs> makes the rest of my list pretty predictable. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this movie also is just. I mean, there was a time in my childhood where this was my favorite Back to the Future movie, and it was because of... There was a point that mostly, I this was my favorite, yeah, too. and I think most of it had to do with when they actually go to the future, when they go to the year 2015 and the hoverboard sequence and stuff, and it just, like, really captured my imagination. Right, the, the Nikes that lace themselves and the jacket that <laughs> yeah, drives yeah. itself, and then you have, like... You know, what's funny about it is when you look at the house and, like, you know, push your thumb to the plate to turn on the lights, like, oh, yeah, that's exactly how it, <laughs> I mean, we have those now, yeah. you know? Like, um, I still don't have a pizza dehydrator or rehydrator. Oh, yeah, I, I yeah. mean, seriously. And, yeah. like, I'm still waiting for uh, a good hoverboard, <laughs> to be honest. But um, <laughs> Yeah, so, kids, those uh, things that you think are hoverboards with the two wheels on the sides, they're not actually hoverboards because hoverboards don't have wheels. Yep. Um, and hoverboards you actually move sideways on. And to add to this, uh, riding a skateboard is always just going to be cooler than the stupid new hoverboard things they have. So, <laughs> right. just saying. Right. Um, no, the, there was a lot of stuff in this movie that's cool. Even what I one of the things that I liked about Back to the Future 2 over the original and over um, Back to the Future 3 is the time jumping in general. They go to the future. There's... This is when the problem begins. Then they have to go to the past, which is the wrong past, mm -hmm. because of something that happened even farther in the past. So then they have to go farther back in the <laughs> past, which is from the original timeline from the original movie. There's so, like, that's awesome. It's the bouncing back and forth, which made the movie really yeah. cool to me. And that's where, and that's where Back to the Future, in my opinion, is meant to be watched as three movies back to back straight through you you really should just do it in one sitting yeah and i think um let the movies blend together just make it one movie it's one <laughs> movie <laughs> um one thing that i just thought of while you were talking about that too is just the this movie specifically does a really good job of um creating like dramatic irony with uh biff being this kind of like all-knowing like villain the whole time and uh marty and doc not necessarily knowing what's going on right away where biff steals the al almanac and then brings it back to like his right. younger if you self haven't seen back to the future by now i'm sorry we are spoiling it but <laughs> i mean the you movies, see him steal the almanac the, movies, the, the original movie. movie's 30 years old so it's on you <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i just think that uh dramatic irony was just like a really w good way to build the tension and urgency in the movie too so. right and yeah. that's my pick so right on all right, so my second to last pick is Looper. Okay. Have you seen Looper? I've never seen Looper. I can give my really stupid reason why I never saw it. I would love to hear your okay, reason. Okay, so story. at the time that Looper came out, I was actually much more picky about movies than I think I am now. And something just about the fact that I didn't think Joseph Gordon Lovett and uh, Bruce Willis looked anything alike. It just kept me from ever seeing the movie. <laughs> With that being said, I've heard it's actually really awesome, so I probably should watch it. So but here's yeah. what here's what's interesting about Looper. Before I go in a little bit of a before I start like really gushing about this movie, this movie is written and directed by Ryan Johnson, who wrote <laughs> and direct Star Wars episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um. So your point about he, go ahead. Okay. So one thing I liked about um. <clears throat> Star Wars The Last Jedi is it's one of the few Star Wars movies that I just felt like I couldn't predict everything and it moves really fast and just throws so many curveballs at you. Is Looper kind of the same way where just like yeah, kind constant of. twists and curveballs? Kind of. and Ryan Johnson 
so there's two movies that Ryan Johnson wrote and directed, which when I found out he was doing Star Wars, I thought to myself, I loved Looper. And then there's this other movie he wrote and directed called Brick. I loved Brick. Yeah. It is so good. Um, it's an indie film. It is. Um, it's basically about a. It's basically about someone. It's, it's it's like a high school. Think of like a Riverdale style like high school teenage drama. Okay. Not Riverdale is not a, <laughs> a good example, but it's a high school high drama. School, yeah, yeah. And um, this girl dies from like apparently a drug overdose. You're not entirely sure. And the mystery begins. And it's basically it basically Ryan Johnson created a noir film, a noir detective film in a high school setting. That sounds awesome. And then told this really great mystery story. Cool. That takes itself it takes itself way too seriously, but knows what it is, so everything's believable and you buy it all. Okay, nice. Like it's a really solid movie. It's called Brick. It's great. But all I knew is when he started doing Star Wars, I was like, I loved Looper and I loved Brick. I'm in. This is going to be cool. Mm-hmm. Completely different than anything science fiction Star Wars-wise, but it's going to be cool. Mm-hmm. So with Looper, if you didn't... So Bruce Willis, we all know what Bruce Willis looks like. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays young Bruce Willis in the timeline, so you get to see both of them, yeah. right? They did prosthetics to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's face to make him look like a young Bruce right. Willis. They thinned his lips out and that kind of stuff. Like So they made him look like young Bruce Willis. So Bruce Willis is... He's called a looper. It's a job. So as a death penalty, people are sent from the future are sent to the past, and you being the looper have to kill the person when they show up. Right. So, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's just out in a field with a gun waiting, and the body just appears because of the time travel, and they kill him. Mm-hmm. Because you can't prove... You can't... You know what I mean? You can't prove that there's a death... Like, who killed the person? Okay. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. really a murder if it didn't happen. It happened in a different time period, so there's no proof. The body's not even there. That You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, so Joseph Gordon-Levitt... You know, there's this narration explaining what a looper is and all that stuff. And then Joseph Gordon-Levitt's waiting. You see him waiting, or young Bruce Willis is waiting for the person because he gets the message that the next one's going to show up. So he's getting ready to kill the person, and it's his future self. And then that's where the ride begins. Yeah. And one of the cool parts, and you know how I said I want the time travel to be explained? I mentioned this on last week's episode when Nicole was here, because I don't know how we got on Looper, but eventually <laughs> I mentioned it. Yeah. But there's a really cool scene where Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis are sitting at a diner. So the young and the old version of the character are sitting at a diner. And young Bruce Willis is like, well, hold on a second. You know, and he's trying to understand the time travel aspect. Mm-hmm. And old Bruce Willis says, um, it doesn't matter how I got here, and it doesn't matter how that stuff works. If we start talking about it, we're going to be here all day, and we're going to have diagrams with straws and everything. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be weird. Yeah. This is what's the important information. And what's cool about a scene like that is that Ryan Johnson, as a writer, was smart enough to say, look, he traveled through time. We're done with that. Yeah. Let's focus on the story because, as a whole, this is just a story. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, like, I really Let's like look it. at the story by itself and just know that this guy went back in time. Mm-hmm. The Marleys so, were dead to begin with. It doesn't matter how, or Mar- Jacob Marley well, was dead the, to begin with. It doesn't matter how, you just need to know that he's dead. Exactly. <laughs> I, 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 I and really that's exactly that. what it was, and mm-hmm. it was awesome. And then the story unfolds. 
Emily Blunt's in this movie. Mm. She's fantastic. There's this little kid who is a part of the story. Um, I don't want to say too much about the little kid because that could be a heavy spoiler material. Okay. But his performance is astounding. Yeah. Um, I like so. that most of what you've told me, because I don't think you've really gotten into spoilers, most of what you've told me you actually see from the trailers of this movie. Everything so. I've said has been very... Mm-hmm. If you've seen the trailer, I haven't spoiled anything really beyond that. Um, even that conversation in the diner. They just expound on it a little bit more when you're in the diner. But, mm-hmm. you know... but this movie is just so good from top to bottom and it had such a surprise way it unfolded just like you said last jedi was very unpredictable as you were watching it because that's one of the things i liked about last jedi is every time i thought i knew where the movie was going it went a completely different direction yeah and that's exact and looper does the same thing so like i'm like oh i think i know it's oh no i have no clue what's going on this is crazy yeah so nice yeah great pick all right. Um, moving on to my last one is Back to the Future, the first one. So hey, guess what? We matched this. Awesome. So, go great. ahead. <laughs> um, so uh, I mean, this movie. I think when you look at the whole trilogy, I think Back to the Future two and three really kind of hinge on each other. Like they kind of need each other to tell the whole story they're telling, and the way the way they do it, uh, the way that. Back to the Future has a huge clincher that leads into Back to the Future 3 is really good. The first one does that as well, but I think as just a kind of concise story, like this just does the best job of just telling a really good whole story in one movie. Um, I mean, it's hard to say a lot because it's just this movie has had such so much fan and critical acclaim. Uh, we've talked about this. about it. Yeah, we've talked about this movie a lot, and there's a reason. So you had all three of them technically made your list because you <laughs> yeah. had one that was an honorable mention and two made your picks. The reason none of the other the other two. So the reason the first one to me makes my pick. Yeah. But it but the other two didn't make my list is is this for me. Back to the Future is one movie. Okay. I know there are three parts. And I know that they released far enough apart from each other that it's technically three movies. But when you look at the story as a whole, when you sit down, if you've ever, if you've never done it, watch them in one sitting. Because it is so amazing how that story unfolds. But if you just take the first movie out of the equation and watch it, it is so solid of storytelling. It is... um, the it's it's very smart storytelling there's no plot holes everything fits everything's explained everything is it's very tied in night little nice little bow and at the end of the movie you're like man that was good mm-hmm. let's watch it again like if you <laughs> yeah. didn't if you didn't know about the sequels awesome let's watch it again i want a delorean i want to go driving around you know what i mean like everything about it was just cool mm-hmm and if I'm thinking about time travel movies as a whole, there is no better time travel movie than Back to the Future. Just the first one. Just by itself. I don't think there's a better time travel movie that handles everything. Yeah. The way, you know. Because there's a lot of time. Like Time Machine, at the end of the day, there was a message to be learned. And not that movies aren't supposed to be telling a message, but sometimes movies are meant to be fun, too. And it's like everything they wanted to do with a time travel movie with a simple story about a guy going through this adventure about the stuff with his like the stuff with his parents and so on. They had a they had a point about what they were trying to tell and they tied it all together very neatly. Mm-hmm. And it's probably it's hard to say that movies are perfect movies 
and there's a very small handful of movies out there that I can consider perfect. And I would consider Back to the Future a perfect film. Right. So. And I, I would definitely agree with that. I think uh, as far as, like, there is messages in the movie. Like, there is a lot of stuff in there about, like, being grateful f- for the hand you're dealt and, like, how your life is and stuff like that. But they don't hit you over the head with it, you know. It's not like this. Like, they don't bog you down with the moral of the story and stuff. It's just really entertaining and it's just really well told and it i mean you said it really well too it's just really concise like it's a full story and it's just it's perfect yeah i mean do you want to add anything to that that's just the reason i've been waiting all night to talk about back to the future (laughs) um i mean yeah i don't know i don't know what all to say i mean that's very cool um well i guess that brings us to the end of our list so peter it's going to be your pick next week what are we doing okay so I've actually kind of wanted to do this list since we did the video game movie one, but okay, yeah. since we, we did the video game movie podcast, and I've since then I've been feeling like really nostalgic because I've been t- thinking about like Resident Evil and Mortal Kombat and just like that late 90s, early 2000s time period I've been feeling so nostalgic for, and I thought it'd be really fun if we did the t- our top five favorite games that were on the PlayStation 1 for next week. Favorite list. PlayStation 1 games? Yeah. Um, wow, alright. <laughs> yeah, and this is actually pretty timely because they just announced the, the PlayStation, PlayStation Classic, Classic that's well, going to come so. out. Yeah, so if you didn't know, Nintendo released their Classic system, which had yeah. some preloaded games on it, and then they released the Super NES, so we're going to do Classic PlayStation 1 games. Yeah, and I know I feel like I threw you a curveball here, but you I think it's going to be... a massive curveball, I think it's going to be a really fun This episode, could be a fun, so. this could be a really fun <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Um... That brings us to a close tonight. So first, um, if you want to interact with the show, please send us an email at top5report at gmail.com. Um, if you'd like to uh, follow us, if you don't want to interact with us in email, you can hit us up on, like us on Facebook at top5report. Follow us on Twitter at top5report. Um, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. We love the five-star reviews, but um, uh, by all means, be honest, write us a review. It helps us get better. Um, Peter, is there anywhere we can look for you uh, personally? Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter um, at Ninja Pierre, and um, yeah, that's, yeah. That's Peter is good. way more active than I am, but <laughs> my uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Drew three nine two seven and Instagram at three Drew three nine two seven. So yeah, that brings us to a close. I do want to end with a quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter and I have been talking um, the past couple weeks. We've talked a little bit about how proud of this thing we've made we started doing this podcast honestly it was a little i feel like it was a little bit of a pipe dream at first and i didn't know if peter thought i was very serious when i approached him to say hey i'm doing this for real um and then suddenly we had a website and suddenly we had the actual show recorded and suddenly we're on itunes and things are moving along at a pace that i was i'm happy with but i'm really proud of this thing we're making and that and it made me think of a quote from one of my heroes a big inspiration of my life would be which would be george lucas Um, So I want to read this quote, and then we'll close for the night. So George Lucas once said, You have to have such persistence and be so stubborn and just say, I'm right. I don't care what the rest of the world thinks. It's It's the only way to do it. March forward no matter what happens. You keep going no matter what the odds are to get there. You have to say, I believe in this completely, and I will sink with the ship if that's what it comes down to. If you don't have that commitment, it won't happen. And with that...